1: Love Talk Radio. You're listening
3: to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three,
1: two, one, we're live.
2: Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Ristida and Robert. I'm Ristida and I'm joined here at the helm by my brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today?
3: I'm doing amazing. It has been so hot in Los Angeles. I'm wondering, is is LA really that much closer to the sun during the winter than New York or Chicago? It must be. You know,
2: it must be because, you know, like you know usually in the winter it's like on the other side of the world it's like their summer in a way you know and we've been right. getting a lot of great weather too like today i mean for just the beginning of march like 61 62 that's unheard of um uh, for this time of year we're usually like in the 50s and it's like i was outside in a t-shirt and, and shorts i'm like this is awesome um, and then, of course, it's going to rain next week because we're in Seattle. But it's, it's I think it's – I hope this isn't a precursor to what summer is going to be.
3: Oh, I hope <laughs> not because uh, Friday it was 83. It hasn't actually dipped below the 80s all weekend. Mm.
2: See, that's so our summer.
3: Right. That's <laughs> your summer. When ours is 100 degrees, you're 80.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, 80 is is pretty much what I can handle. Like if I'm on the motorcycle and I have to hit a stoplight, I don't want to be on the motorcycle in 100 degree weather. We had a couple of days where we hit the triple digits and that was tough. (laughs) <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever ridden without a protective jacket. <laughs> it was that hot,
1: oh, and I geez. still felt
2: naked, yeah, but uh, I don't know, I mean it's like imagine- i can't i mean i I did it once, right? I was in California, it was like almost a hundred, and I'm sitting on a on am on a hot engine, basically in rush hour traffic, so I'm not moving, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore, oh ah. my goodness. Anyway, well, listeners, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Join us a little bit later, around 6.30 p.m. or so, as we are joined by Aikido Sensei, Jamie Zimron, and she's going to be telling us a little bit about her training, um, her uh, Aikido, and how she incorporates Aikido into golf. She's a pro golfer, and uh, she's going to be talking to us a little bit about that as well, as well as some international events that she's involved in. So stay tuned. And I suggest that my POMA sisters listen in and call in also join the conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be uh, bringing since uh, sensei Jamie on again around six three, four, seven, six, seven, seven, zero, six, nine, nine. That's our phone number. Give us a call. All oh, right. Very cool. wow. well,
3: so, so last night uh-huh. the family goes to see my daughter's, uh, uh, Pop show for her high school, great show. Oh, uh
2: huh.
3: It was awesome, and they had old songs, they had Beatles songs. They even had a country song mixed in. You know, I'm a country fanatic. It's almost uh-huh. all I listen to. And mm-hmm. and uh, I told Bree this morning. I said, I can't believe you had a Dirk Bentley song on the, uh, in the show last night. And she looks at me and she says, Yeah, I knew that was the one song you were going to know out of the whole show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. No.
3: So I, I was going over some. I was trying to do subliminal messaging last night to her, hmm. but it went over like a fart in a whirlwind.
2: Huh? Like, what were you trying to? What was the message you were trying to get across?
3: Well, she wants to go go to certain colleges. Okay. She's going to go with a friend friend of hers uh, to go to Berkeley, but mm-hmm. that didn't work out because she's going to Boston for a a choir competition. And they're going Mm -hmm. at the same time during spring break. I said, Mm -hmm. well, you should go go up to Seattle and try one of their schools. You should maybe go to St. Paul, Minnesota, and and look at their stuff. Maybe even Chicago. And she's like, Mm -hmm. Dad, why are you telling me this? I said, (laughs) because I know people in those cities.
2: (laughs) She said. (laughs) And,
3: And she said, I'll be fine anywhere I go. And I'm like, but... She said, I can always call you and mom. I said, yeah, but we
2: can't get there.
3: Right. I want you to right. be able to call Rusty, Greg, Rita, somewhere where you are, and someone can hop in their car and go get you if you need something. Yeah. And that did not exactly. That did not go over.
2: <laughs> no, it, it didn't. But, you know, it's kind of like, in a way, you know, I guess we kind of have to let them flap their wings a little bit, you know? I mean, it's like, I mean, last week I mentioned that I didn't even move out of the house till I was 21, till I was like almost out of college. But it's like, eh, you know, but my dad pretty much kicked me out because he wanted me to learn what it was like. Right. And, you know, she's going to need that skill and and stuff like that. If, If anything, my God, teacher had a fight, man. Because I swear to God, <laughs> if any guy messes with her, uh, we'll fi- we'll find a way to get your butt up there <laughs> so <laughs> I, you can I find don't. the jerk that messes with her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, it was
3: funny last night because one of her friends was talking to me at the show, and she said, don't worry, I'll keep all the guys off her. And I said, "Do you do that because then they'll have to go up against me. And you know what? I've got people that will hop on a plane
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that will come How down I- here for me.
2: I will I will hop on a plane and if she, you know, and if she does go to the University of Washington um or uh to uh WSU out here. Yeah, well, I mean WSU is like on the other side of the mountains. It'll take me like 4 hours to get there, but I will jump in a car and I will put on some snow tires and get out there and get her if she needs to go anywhere. University, no problem. You know, but you know, it's up to her if she wants to, you know, what she wants to study cuz you know, these days, you know, kids. I've noticed that kids these days are really thinking about what they want to major in. I mean, seriously, and they're serious about it. And I, I think this generation of kids is is they're they're smart cookies. So I'll give them that much.
3: And, uh, pretty, yeah, they're, and they're
2: smart anyway.
3: Yes, yes, and uh, yeah, it's not like we, we were kids where we really didn't know.
2: No, we really didn't, you didn't know. care. <laughs>
3: yeah, we we really didn't care. Uh, but you know it's funny <laughs> I told you last week I was going to feed some homeless people on Thursday and mm-hmm. we had a great time they've got six kids and the mother's pregnant all the way oh. from like three to ten Aww. and you know we enjoyed being around them. my wife actually knew them they were old customers of hers which is like mm-hmm. really sad when you when you go and really know these people already
1: and mm-hmm. you find out
3: that they just fell in a hard time <laughs> Yeah, and the, when I, I wore I, and this guy goes by the martial arts History museum all the time, and, and they got excited that I was wearing my martial arts museum hat. Oh, cool! Like, oh my God, do you work there? Oh, it was absolutely insane. But we felt good about it. We had I, I ended up feeding like I don't know, like twelve people. Right on. And it, it was a good time. We 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 had a, a major thing happen, so that that was a good thing. We we really enjoyed it.
2: Good, good. Paying it forward. That, that I love hearing stories yep. like that. That's cool. All right. Well, let's move on with the show. Let's start with the birthdays. Who do you got for birthdays, or Bob? Well, I only have one
3: this week. <laughs> you, you pretty much filled up everybody else. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ma Master uh, Guru, uh Jean Tabone. He's a. Uh, Uh, An ambassador to the Master of his birthday is on the 12th.
2: Right on. And I just want to send a shout-out to a couple people whose birthdays were yesterday, Uh, Paul Nolan and Jim Young and, I'm guessing, Michelle Manu. I guess it's – I'm I'm guessing it was yesterday instead of today. But their uh, birthdays were on yesterday, the 7th. And today, Master Nar Babao and uh, Mike Burns – um they ha- they're having birthdays today Shifu Cory great a wonderful practitioner of external and internal martial arts and one of the founding sisters of the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists her birthday is on the 13th and on the 14th birthdays for Paulo Cariello Humberto David De Jesus and Sensei Lori Katzer Bremer so for everyone having a birthday the week of March 8th, oh I'm sorry, March 7th because I included included the 7th, March 7th through the 14th. This song is for you. Happy Enjoy the birthday week. All right. Let's get to our news and announcements. Now, Bob, you are, I've I've dubbed you the official Martial Arts History Museum expert of events. (laughs) 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 Because you are right around the corner from the Martial Arts History Museum there in Burbank. And uh, you've attended and are continuing to attend a lot of these great events. Over there. So, and there's uh, some coming up. Um, I, I only know of one, but if you can kind of uh, fill us in as to what's going on lately at the Martial Arts History Museum. I'm
3: opening up my events on Facebook right now, but on the 21st of the month, we have uh, Shuni B Day, uh, and they're going to preview his movie, Gorkur the Protector, which is the movie oh. I saw in downtown Los Angeles. And then on the uh, 28th we have Manuel Marquez Day, which mm-hmm. I met Manuel last weekend. For uh, uh <sighs> these weeks are so are flowing so I know so they're close like going together. together.
2: <laughs> I forgot what day, day it was. When, uh, yeah, when may you day?
3: <laughs> and uh, that that that's where I met him. I he's in, I think he's a Mostly an internal artist. Uh, yeah, Manuel um, Marquez Day. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, his day is the 14th. Oh, okay. So it's next Saturday. And then we have suny B. Day on the 21st. Uh, John Cochran Day. Oh, my God. Wow. on the 28th.
2: What a legend.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. His day is on the 28th. So we have three this month.
2: Wow. You're gonna be busy. I, have fun. <laughs> tell me about it.
3: Plus, plus I have uh, in two weeks. I'm gonna be down at the Bob White, in Bob and Barbara White's tournament, broadcasting live from down there uh, on mm-hmm. the uh, 22nd. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. And then uh, Gerald Akamura invited me to a, a big trouble in Little China film screening in Little Tokyo. That wow. Is, uh, yeah, I know, right? Right. Uh, yeah, we,
2: we need to see if we can get a soundbite from him or something like that. Something. <laughs> Just a I, tell me. Something.
3: Uh, yeah. April 25th is going to be Don Bear Day at the museum.
2: Oh, very cool.
3: So that's going to be very cool. And that's as much as I have on the museum right now, but that's three days this month, one day next. It's going awesome. to be absolutely This is why I became a member of the museum last week.
2: Yeah, because you're always there.
3: You know, I'm always I mean, yeah, I think,
2: for, yeah, you know, I, 50, I think bo- fifty bucks for yeah, the entire bucks. year
3: and it's going to pay for itself next month.
2: <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think it already did. <laughs> That's awesome! Right on. Very cool. And uh, let's see. I, I've got a couple announcements. Oh. I want to remind all the Masters Hall of Fame ambassadors out there, get your nominations in because we still need to get the confirmation paperwork to your nominees and give them a little bit of time to be able to return them. So please get your nominations in as soon as you can. So that's that's my uh, plug for Masters Hall of Fame ambassadors yeah, to get their well, nominees they-
3: and they have to remember that we're only uh, inducting fifty nominees this year,
2: right? Right, first come, first serve. So you that's know, that's it. That's it. So yeah, what I forgot that today also is the birthday for Mickey Dolenz and Lynn Redgrave. So happy birthday to those celebrities! Yay! All right, um, let's see. I just want to do an announcement on a Tai Chi workshop, actually it's a Wu Ji workshop uh, with Master Sana Shanti, and that's coming up on Thursday, March 19th at 6 p.m., and uh, Sifu Brian Knack is hosting this seminar, and it's going to be held at Northwest Tai Chi and Qigong, which is located at 202 East McLaughlin Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington, 98663. And the uh, this particular workshop um, explores wu-ji in form and partner work. And for people that aren't familiar with tai chi, wu-ji is, uh, it's hard to explain, but in the form itself, it's the first movement where you step out uh, with your um, feet, shoulders width apart, and your hands are hanging down at your sides. And it's a relaxed posture where... Um, before the movement of the form actually starts, right? It's like a ready posture. However, uh, that posture itself is not wuji. The concept of wuji is a state of ready nothingness, ready awareness, but nothing's happening in a way. That's the most simplest way I can put it. And the idea is is to keep that mindset while being aware throughout the whole routine. Um, and, uh, this particular workshop is going to explore Wuji in form and partner work, push hands or self-defense applications. And, and, uh, I suggest you check it out. It's a, uh, it's a way of uh, taking your Tai Chi to a whole new level. And it's, uh, recommended for all experience levels of Tai Chi practitioners. And the cost is only 30 bucks. So check that out. It's going to be at the Northwest Tai Chi and Qi Gong School. All right, one uh, one other announcement here. This is uh, the 29th an annual uh, blah, 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 blah. let me try that again. <laughs> an annual. <laughs> Thank you. The ninth tw- annual Yoshida Cup tournament. This is going to be held at Mount Hood Community College in Oregon, and that's located at 26000 Southeast Stark Street in Gresham, Oregon 97030. And uh let me see if I can pull up the actual information here real quick so that way I can uh, give a rundown on the what it was. I didn't have that note up on my up on my board. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be uh, the 13th, uh, the 14th and, and the 15th. Yeah, there are going to be seminars on the 14th and the competition itself is on the 15th and there's all there's over $5,000 in Prizes and sponsorships to the athletes. And um, the seminars include Sensei Hideharu Igaki, who will be going over kumite, sparring, um, Sensei Kiyohiko Tosa, and Sensei Shin Tsuki, with uh, who will be going over kumite, uh, more sparring, and Shihan Toshishiro Oshiro, bojutsu, the use of the bow. And you can register online at www.karate.com. Tmaster dot com. Don't forget the T in the middle. It's not just Karate Master. It's karate Tmaster dot com. If you have any questions, you can contact Sensei J Farrell at NW Classic Karate at Outlook dot com. Go check it out in Gresham, Oregon. All right. I think that's it for my events. Do you have uh, any other events there, Sifu Bob? No, other
3: than the masters coming up in three months from last Friday,
2: mm-hmm. uh, so it's probably
3: 12, 12 or 13 weeks from uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when's Dragon event. Fest again? Uh, Dragon Fest is in the month of July. I think it's like 18th, 19th. It's going to be a two-day event, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to be there. Yep. Be uh great. Yeah, it'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The Masters we're going to have the Museum's Michael Matsuda as keynote speaker, and uh, mm-hmm. TJ Storm from uh, the Martial Arts Kid is going to be the MC. Uh, I spoke mm-hmm. with my, one of my so Soki Greg Woldridge. He's, he's coming mm-hmm. in for it, and he's coming oh, out cool. uh, next week. And it's funny, because Greg's one of these guys, in when he says he's coming out you don't believe it until he has the physical ticket in his hand. Because something <laughs> always comes up. Every time he says he's gonna be here, something always
2: happens. <laughs> yeah, that's it that that's the luck of the draw. That's sometimes my luck too. It's kinda like, really? But I gotta have the ticket in my hand so that way I can tell any other thing that nope, I gotta go now. <laughs> that's right. So right on. Well cool let's i guess if you have no uh no more events, let's move on to the healthy all right well today was the first day of daylight like saving time <laughs> and I'm feeling a little bit jet laggy. <laughs> I' lost an hour of sleep um and here's some uh here's some hints to uh to kind of keep going throughout the daylight savings time because it can affect both your body clock and your health. I mean, it's only one hour, but in a way, it is a form of jet lag. And studies have shown that there is an increase in both heart attacks and road accidents in the days after you set your clocks forward one hour. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, you you lose only one hour's sleep. But, oh, my gosh, who would have thought that just one hour will completely throw you up? Now, um, although people adjust differently to less sleep, it's said that some people feel the adverse effects more than others. And um, there are common issues that setting your clocks for, for spring and summertime may cause. Number one, it can feel a little harder to get out of bed on Monday morning. <laughs> This is going to be interesting for me tomorrow. Number two, it may be difficult to get to bed at your normal time on Sunday night, um, right after the start of a DST. And number three, children may feel tired and cranky for several days after an hour's change in their bedtime routine. Now, some simple ways of making it easier to handle this hour change, number one, Set your alarm clock to wake up just a little earlier than usual on the Saturday and Sunday before the actual switching of changing your clocks for it. Because this is going to make it easier for you to get out of bed on Monday morning. Okay, number two,
1: eat a healthy oh. breakfast
2: as soon as possible. What? <laughs> What's going on over there? <laughs> it, was,
3: it was one of those pop-ups. Oh,
2: Okay. <laughs> Okay, number two in the uh, simple ways to make it easier to adjust to daylight savings time, eat a healthy breakfast first thing in the morning. Food also tells your body it's the start of the day. Number three, the light, especially natural light, sunlight, helps you adjust your body clock. So throw open those shades, folks. That'll uh, The sunlight coming in will help you wake up and feel that it's time to wake up. And number four, help your child adjust by changing their bedtime routines to just a little bit earlier, the week before the time change. So within that week, they'll be actually getting their body clocks acclimated to the extra, uh, to the loss of an hour. All right. Now, being tired can decrease your productivity, concentration, and just your general well-being. You just kind of feel blah. Several studies have also linked daylight savings time to an increased risk of heart attacks, road accidents, and sleep problems. Okay? So, for example, a Swedish study in 2008 found that the risk of having a heart attack increases within the first three days after switching to daylight savings time. Go figure. Similarly, the risk decreases after setting the time clock back to standard time in the fall. Huh. Huh. Weird. I wonder why that is. Traffic accidents also increase on the Monday following the start of daylight savings time. Tired drivers is the main reason. And uh persist for, for if you have persistent problems with this, like if you're still kind of jet laggy like a week or two later, taking supplements of the sleep hormone melatonin may help and these should only be prescribed by a doctor. So don't ask your buddies that already have melatonin to just give you their prescription because <laughs> treat it like a drug, folks. Get it from your own doctor. <laughs> All right. So those are just uh, some of my simple tips to cope with uh, springing forward, daylight savings time. I hope everyone out there isn't as jet laggy as I am. So with that said, let's move on to weird, weird news. news. Right, Weird news.
3: Weird News. This was something. Actually, you know what? I may move on to entertainment news because you did not include that in our notes.
2: Yes, I did. Oh, yes, you I did. What, a, what did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> oh, okay.
3: Okay. Okay, yeah. I'm blind. You know, my eyes. Uh, okay. Okay, so weird news. <laughs> oh, you know what? I almost read the byline you put in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> when when
2: seafood Bob sent me this this weird news thing, I wrote back to him in my notes. I went, what the bleep is this? <laughs> I almost, and I almost read it. I, <laughs> and you almost read it. Right, see, I, I should never write what I'm thinking on the notes, but go ahead with the weird news. <laughs> well, and my, my wife
3: could actually appreciate that. She's been working at a pet store for
2: 28 years. Uh huh.
3: Just because it says chick sexer, that's S E X E R, not T E R, Uh like you're writing dirty text messages, uh huh. On your business card, it doesn't mean you're a sex worker specializing in foul bestiality.
2: Oh my God. What the hell? (laughs)
3: <laughs> NBC News is pointing out that Britain needs more people who can identify the gender of newborn chickens. Hmm. The UK only has 100 to 150 trained professionals working in the, in this field, and that it has crippled the, pulse, the poultry industry. Huh. If you can identify a, ba- a baby bird's sex organs, you can earn sixty thousand dollars a year. What makes this job extra disgusting is a process known as vent sexing which requires you to squeeze (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Which requires you (laughs) I don't know if I'll make it through
1: this. It
3: it requires you to squeeze turds out of the chicken's anus.
1: (laughs) That's
2: crazy. And how do you how do you tell a bird's sex organs if you squeeze the poop out of them? I don't get it.
3: <laughs> I don't know either. My wife is over in the corner going, it's
2: no big deal.
3: Well
2: maybe for her. Well next, next time ask her how she, she figures she, out what the sex organs well, are she, on Well, She
3: does sex, she does sex birds all the
2: time. That sounded weird.
3: <laughs> I know, it sounded a little strange. This allows you to check for a small bump, which is a telltale sign to indicate whether you're holding a male or a female, according huh. to the Inquisitor. Huh. If you haven't thrown up by now, <laughs> a fabulous <laughs> new career awaits you. <laughs> of, of course, our oh no! Now this one, I'm going to lose this. I, I'm I'm going to okay. lose on this one. Okay. Okay. Of course, our chicken choking. Friends at W. <laughs> and after this, I got a story to tell you that okay. I'm the only I'm the only one in the in the world that knows this story. <laughs> at W T F A R K, take this job opportunity and turn it into an excuse to make every obvious and not so obvious joke. <laughs> Even ones we haven't made already, enjoy. Now, time okay. for this story. All
2: right. All right. I,
3: I, don't, I don't think I've told anybody this story. Oh,
2: 25, years. The listeners years. are the first ones to hear this. We, this is yes. awesome. Okay. Uh,
3: well, years and years ago, I used to do all the work, all the lock work, because I was a locksmith for, well, let's put it this way, for Eddie Van Halen.
2: Oh okay. okay, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I used to
3: go to his house and his studio which was on his property.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: This and when I started going there before they were finishing uh the gate, they had this one area where everybody entered through. It was a gate at mm-hmm. the bottom of his driveway. Mm-hmm. And on the, this this the his house was at the bottom of the hill before he built this one higher up. So mm-hmm. the drive the, the delivery guys would drive up And I swear, this was gone over by, play-by-play by by Eddie's uh, studio manager, right? Okay. okay, here's what the guy is going to do. He's going to get out of his truck, because this delivery driver comes in when I'm there. We're watching Mm -hmm. him on on a video camera.
1: Mm -hmm. The guy
3: comes in. He says he's going to get out of his car. He's going to go to the front door of Eddie's house. He's going to read the sign that says, make deliveries to the top of the hill. And then he's going to come to the top. Well, play-by-play, okay. play, this guy gets out of his truck, goes to Eddie's front door, reads the sign, opens the damn door, and goes into Eddie's house. Oops! <laughs> and everybody, everybody flipping out. I mean, Valerie is calling uh, the studio manager on the phone, who the hell is this guy, yada, yada, yada. Well, uh-huh. after this is all said and done and this guy realizes he screws up, Eddie comes up the hill. Oh. And he oh, and he oh, and he comes into the studio and looks at the studio manager and says, "What if I was on the couch choking my chicken?" <laughs> 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 and that was and that little blurb in little story reminded me of that story.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's hilarious! Oh gosh. Okay, I'm done laughing. (laughs) So I want to remind our listeners out there what our phone number is. Get get our minds off of choking chickens. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Stay tuned, everyone, because in about, I'd say, maybe about another five or seven minutes, we're going to be joined by Sensei Jamie Zimron, uh, an Aikido Sensei. And uh, she'll be telling us a little bit about Aikido and golf and all sorts of other great international events that she's going to be involved with. So stay tuned. We've just got another couple of uh, stories to go through. All right. I think we're getting into entertainment news, I think. I can't even find my entertainment news stinger. Oh, here we go.
3: Okay. Okay. And you know... Every time you turn around, Justin Bieber's in the news about something. I mean, Usually I'm almost it's not something sick of hearing
2: just. about him. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about. Him. But last about week him
3: when, when him. he when he bought those cops dinner, that was pretty cool. Uh huh.
2: Yeah, that was cool.
3: Now Justin ha- Justin Bieber now has a way to impress women by dropping mm. thousands of bucks on booze in his never-ending celebration of his twenty 20- of his birth twenty-one years ago. Hmm. Beaver hit, hit up Ivy's uh, Nightclub's Varsity Friday where DJ Khalid was hosting the, his weekly bash. He dropped, get this, this is twi- over twice my monthly rent. He dropped $3,600 on Say, Dom Perignon, and Grey Goose Vodka.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: Twice but it was mainly for the women around him, including model Lyra Galore.
2: And huh. speaking
3: of the women around him, Bieber went to the club just after, just hours after the cops were called to his Miami hotel room. Oh, there's a big shock. Mm. We're <laughs> told seven, several women called the police after security kicked them out of the room and didn't let them take their cell phones and personal items. It appears the girls had insisted. They were invited, but security didn't buy it. But when hmm. the cops came, the hired muzzle had a change of heart and let them in. <laughs> Amazing.
2: <laughs> this guy
3: said the clown. yeah, I'm getting
2: kinda I'm getting kinda tired of hearing about Justin Bieber. <laughs> but all right, before we take a break. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit of time traveling and see what happened this day in history. Let's turn on the time machine. All right. So this day in history, 1894, a dog license law was enacted in the state of New York, and it was the first animal control law in the United States. This day in history, in 1910, the king of Spain authorized women to attend universities. So, wow, before that, women weren't even allowed to go to university over there. That's, uh, wow. that's interesting. I know. 1911 in Europe, International Women's Day was celebrated for the very first time. In uh, 1948 on this day, March uh, March 8th, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that religious instruction in public schools was unconstitutional. And in 1965, the U.S. landed about 3,500 Marines in South Vietnam, and they were the first U.S. combat troops to land in Vietnam during that skirmish. And that was our time travel for the day. Let's turn the time machine off. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we come back, be joined by Sensei Jamie Zimron. Don't go away, we'll be right back in about four minutes.
0: A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was
1: fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, 1 in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray and my
0: niece has autism. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs.
3: Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
0: You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling a swear words, and, like, throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first. And he was running after me, and then he grabbed me by the hood and I started choking.
3: I wasn't doing anything he called me gay because he didn't like me.
1: Bullying
0: is wrong because it like, hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers your self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the
1: outside, it also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher, stop! Could you please not do that anymore? Just stop! Stop bullying.
0: It is not cool.
2: Hi, folks. This is Restita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now, Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now, Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, if somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of the Justin Harvey Show, and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes. So, what are you waiting for? Go check it out.
3: Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas
0: Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show.
3: The only place to be to get the
0: real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world.
3: Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to Dynamic Dojo Radio Post at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio.
2: Welcome back, everyone. If you just Tuned in. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. So if you want to speak to our special guest, please give us a call. Um, If you don't want to call on the phone, you can actually Skype us. So if you go directly to the link um, on the the Block Talk Radio uh, link there, not listening directly through Facebook or anything like that, but if you go through the link, you'll see a blue button at the top of the show marquee, just hit it. If you have Skype, it'll connect you to Skype and you'll be able to call us toll free. No charges whatsoever. So I just wanna now uh turn up a mic here and I wanna introduce our special guest. She's an Aikido instructor, a longtime member of the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists and a pro golfer. So please help me welcome Sensei Jamie Zimron to the show. Sensei Jamie, how you doing today? I'm oh, great. How are you? Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. I, I realize that you're in uh, Chicago right now. Is that correct?
0: That's right.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And daylight savings time, no no,
0: no less.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right yeah, on. We're
0: well, seminar today, so uh, I lost oh. an hour, but uh, yeah,
2: having a good time. Right on. Very cool. Well, again, thank you for joining us during your busy schedule over there. Um, Now, to start off our discussion, uh, we usually like to have our guests start off by telling our listeners a little bit about their beginnings in the martial arts. So can you tell us a little bit about your beginnings in the martial arts and what got you interested in martial arts and Aikido in particular?
0: Sure. Well, I was an undergraduate at the time. I was going to Stanford University. And I was 21, I think, 20 or 21 years old. And Mm -hmm. I found out two things. One, I heard about Aikido from uh, two of my dearest uh, girlfriends, and it sounded way too good to be true.
1: (laughs) They described (laughs) this martial
0: art that was based on principles of harmony and cooperation, nonviolent conflict resolution. They said that the teacher spoke in metaphors of nature and that Mm -hmm. the atmosphere in class was actually supportive and cooperative. It wasn't uh, competitive. It wasn't hurtful or harmful. And I said, yeah, yeah, this is just too good to be true. So I Mm -hmm. went very, very skeptically to my first class. It was at the opening of winter quarter. So it was January 3rd, 1976, and I had heard about this over vacation time, right? So I went to class, as I said, very skeptically, just couldn't possibly be that good. And Mm -hmm. along it was. <laughs> they were telling the truth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it it was just uh, amazing. I must say, my beginnings were not that easy. I wasn't that great at the rolling and falling part of it. I was always mm-hmm. a very good athlete, but the tumbling kind of thing really was difficult for me in the very beginning. Uh, but there was something very, very natural to me about Aikido. It felt like I, I just understood it in my body, and it was revealed to me, I would say, later on that I – it was so familiar because I had been a golfer since I was seven years old, and I was actually a championship junior golfer. And uh, the circles, the spirals of the golf swing, the sense of extending your energy, I couldn't have called it that at the time, but uh, the way that you hold a golf club, it would slow your energy down the club into the right. golf ball. was very similar to the way a boucan or a sword. And mm-hmm. the movement of the backswing is very similar to a throw we have called Kokinage kind of to the back, and kokinage mm-hmm. a breath throw to the front, looked like the the follow-through motion of the golf swing. So all that was just really, really familiar to me, and I just fell in love. What can I say?
2: Wow. Very cool. So Aikido was your first martial art then? Yeah, absolutely. It
0: was my first martial art. I, You know, I can't really take credit for having been looking for martial art or self-defense or empowerment mm-hmm. or health and fitness or uh, mm-hmm. none of that. I really didn't have a clue about it. I just heard about this incredible practice. And the teacher, Frank Durant Sensei, has since become, I would say, one of the top American instructors worldwide. And he was uh, he was a actually a Marine drill sergeant and a career police officer, a career cop, who left all that to – teach Aikido full-time. He was in his 40s. Wow. Yeah, he, it just was so transformative for him. He was, had also been kind of an old Judo guy in his, all of his training. So he had a lot of martial knowledge. And at the same mm-hmm. time, the philosophy, the meaning of Aikido, the purpose of Aikido spoke to him so deeply that he actually left like a, a pension a career to teach Aikido full-time. And Joan wow. started training. She, she lives in the area, so she was training during that period and it was just a, a tremendous time to be doing Aikido at Stanford in particular, and in the Bay Area, which is I kind of considered Aikido Mecca outside of Japan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an awesome way to put it. And wow, that's 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 really cool. I I very briefly did Aikido here in Seattle, very briefly until I injured myself, and then my schedule got all weird, and I couldn't I couldn't uh, take classes anymore. And I understand what is attractive about it. You know, it was. You know, I was. I came from a hard martial art, and when I started studying Aikido, I was like, "Wow, this is so me. This is this is what I what I'm like on the inside. You know, this feels so mm. natural." And I was so bummed when my work schedule took me away from that. I was like, "Oh, come on!" And well, uh, it's, it's, hopefully, it's, it's interesting.
0: It's interesting you say that. But I don't mean to be sort of an Aikido chauvinist. But I must say that. We we met through Women's Martial Arts, and it's I've been to teaching at the National Women's Martial Arts Federation, Palma Pacific Association, Women Martial Artists, uh, co-founded mm-hmm. the Association of Women Martial Arts Instructors, all of these places where where I've had the opportunity to train with and also teach martial artists from all kinds of different martial arts, which we're very lucky to do we've, as women. we come together across martial arts lines. And I can't mm-hmm. tell you... Uh, how many women have come up to me at, at many of our training camps and said, you know, after I get my black belt and whatever their art is, I really want to do Aikido. Or when I grow up in martial arts, I want oh, to do Aikido. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and even um, uh, Colleen Gregan, Sifu Colleen Gregan, actually started in, in Aikido, and uh, a number of others, uh, really advanced instructors, Sifu, Sensei, have begun mm-hmm. to study Aikido and, you know, a little bit later on in their careers, or I hate to say I've actually had some converts you <laughs> know, I, I think that, like you said, it, it feels like it matches who you are on the inside, and mm-hmm. there's something about it that is just so universal uh, to our beings, mm-hmm. I think, and that more kind of peaceful way of being powerful and knowing mm-hmm. that, that those two things aren't contradictory. Peace and power can really go together. And that exactly. there's a certain kind of, I, I don't know, a sensibility there that as women, but not just as women, I think as human beings, that we all really resonate with. And there's such a generic kind of truth to the way that we learn and practice, in, you know, and we learn to use our energy and our mind, body, emotion, spirit, all as a unified whole, which is the mm-hmm. I in Aikido, a loving, integrative whole that just speaks to us all and can inform our entire lives, actually.
2: Yes, indeed. And yeah, I hear I hear a lot of the same thing too. In, about Tai Chi. Well, when I can't do MMA anymore, I think I might do Tai Chi. <laughs> it's like really okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead and wait till you're old. All right, I get it. <laughs> oh my goodness. All well, right. One and of
0: my, um, one of my joys. One of my joys is actually teaching everybody how to roll and fall, and making that something that's accessible because I think we all need to have that skill. And even in martial arts where you don't roll and fall, and even for me where that part of it was the most difficult in the beginning, it's something that I think is a really valuable skill uh, that we can all use. And I really, really love teaching it and helping people who, who don't roll and fall in their martial art to actually have that ability.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's I, kind of I mean, softer, it, it would, exactly. I mean, wouldn't it make sense, though, I mean, if you're going to learn to slam people to the floor, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? It, like in karate, if you're going to learn to sweep someone and slam them to the floor, wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense to learn how to roll and fall? <laughs> and
0: <Yeah. laughs> and I've met a lot sure of people that can't. Skill is, it's, a, it's definitely a useful skill. Actually, there are so many Aikido stories, people who have, for example... They've been riding a bicycle and they hit a rock, or they came up on a low tree branch or something, and got mm-hmm. tossed over their handlebars, or had to bail out, and they their body sort of automatically has gone into a forward roll and mm-hmm. really either prevented or at least very greatly minimized the the injury that they sustained. And I, you know, we work with people a little older who may be having balance issues, balance problems, uh, probably. Mm-hmm you know, one of the biggest problems that uh, elderly people face is loss of balance and falling. And mm-hmm. so when you have a little bit more, more ability to to go down, you're more familiar with that. And besides that, we just work on balance in many different ways in Aikido uh, and, and really being very present in your body uh, and centered. And your center is actually this, uh, your hara is this place a little bit below your navel that's kind of in your belly, which is in your hips, that's over your legs and feet. So you find mm-hmm. that when you get centered, you get grounded, then you feel the folds of your feet. In general, you just get more present in your body, in your legs and feet, balance improves. Balls are actually minimized. I mean, people, in fact, ask me, have I ever had to use Aikido for self-defense? That's you know, a great question, common question. And mm-hmm. I can't really say that I've had, and I must say, I've traveled a lot myself or with another woman, and I have not been attacked, fortunately, but I think that I use my Aikido all the time because of the way that I am, am in my body, and because there's a whole embodied sense of power that says, hey, I'm not a victim. Now, I'm not here to mm-hmm. be aggressive at you, but also, don't don't mess with me, right? Right. <laughs> there isn't a kind of energy there at all. There's just an empowered kind of presence that... That isn't offensive, it's not defensive, it's just here, and it's like, oh. Uh, so it, it's. I would say that I use my Aikido every minute of every day, honestly.
2: That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So, Jamie, where, where are you from? Where do you
3: teach? Because I, I know the area code very well. Well, I must tell you the
0: truth. I had a dojo for... About 14 years, it was in San Francisco, and it began in 1980, early 1980. It began as the Women's Aikido School of San Francisco. And then, oh, probably six, seven years in, it became the Aikido Arts Center of San Francisco, and classes were open to men and women the great church program. In 1994, I actually left. I moved to Israel in the Middle East, and I was teaching over there quite a bit. And I came back to the States, and... Settled in San Diego. And so I really have, and now I'm back in the Bay Area in the last couple of years, but I still guest instruct a lot at different dojos. And I have, in San Diego, I returned to my origins in golf and created a an Aikido based holistic approach to golf instruction. I'm actually an LPGA uh, teaching pro. It's called Ki I Golf. And I've also extended the principles of Aikido into wellness, workplace wellness, leadership, leadership embodiment, harmonious conflict resolution in the corporate world. I work with a lot of uh, executives and, and all. And then I have a really cool program called Where Business Meets the Green, which is about golf, Kiai golf, and business. And basically I teach, uh, everything's founded on Aikido. It's all the Kiai way or the Aiki way, this way of being being the master of our integrated energy, basically. at key is our energy, and I is the, the love, the harmony, the integration. So it's a, it's a way of being that applies in everything, and that's really become the basis of my work. In fact, my website is even, or my, my name of my business is the Key I Way, Inc. It's wow. The Way is kind of another way of saying Aikido. Do means the way. So oh, yeah. Weigh, I, that's
3: awesome.
0: <laughs> I see what you did there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, yes,
3: that is so cool. Of course. So you I, mean, I'm, I'm sort of well, you, be, you being from San Diego, or we in San Diego now, it must be a hell of a shock to be in, because it's been in the 80s, 83 degrees, I'm in Los Angeles, and now you're in like Chicago, mm-hmm. big difference in temperature. Uh,
0: say that again, I'm just not hearing you real clearly.
3: Oh, okay, well you living in San Diego, you know, I'm in LA, and the last couple of days it's been in the 80s, and now you're in Chicago.
0: Yeah, well, I'm actually on a trip about two and a half weeks. I was in Florida. I was doing some corporate presentations and uh, some TI golf and actually visited my father. I'm here in Chicago. I just did a couple of Aikido seminars, and I've been visiting the founder of Aiki Extensions, which is a national nonprofit that does, we actually do international work of But all kinds of people in Aikido who are extending the principles into law, medicine, psychology, healing, sports, Peacemaking, world peacemaking. So that's what I'm doing in Chicago, and I'm on my way to Washington D.C. tomorrow. I've got a couple of Aikido seminars. I've got three corporate seminars, and a couple of golf students. <laughs> so wow, I get, my, I get to do Aikido in many different different uh, fashions uh, and wow. forms, which is really nice. I mean, I just believe so strongly in the principles of Aikido that they apply to everything we do and to everybody. And I I guess I realized that, I mean, I really miss having my dojo. It's a wonderful home base. It's a fantastic learning laboratory for everybody. So I miss having my own dojo. At the same time, I re, I think I realized that a very small percentage of the population actually uh, signs up, you know, and is showing up at the dojo on a regular basis and puts on a gi and, and sweats and gets attacked and rolls and falls and does all these things, but that the principal... <laughs> are so important. I really feel like it seems to be my calling or my mission is to be one of those people who is spending most of my time and energy uh, getting these principles out to people who probably will never set foot in a dojo but can Mm -hmm. benefit tremendously. So I try to translate and adapt Aikido practices in different ways so that regardless of who you are, the sport you play or the work that you do, that you can actually benefit, learn from and benefit and apply those, these same Aiki, Ki, peaceful power, centered, master your energy kind of principles and it's mm-hmm. for everybody. So I, I've become kind of this traveling sensei, I would say. Uh, so I don't really have my own dojo these days, but I, I do love the opportunity to teach at different dojos, and including not only Aikido dojos, I've been very fortunate to be able to teach sometimes at jujitsu schools, karate schools, judo dojos. It's it's really a great great honor and pleasure.
3: Oh, that cool. that is so awesome. Actually, see, I was going I was going a little selfish here because I was wondering what boundaries I could cross and how far you were away from me if I said something about women's golf not being a real sport. But you're close enough where you could do, make a <laughs> drive, so I decided <laughs> against it. <laughs> <laughs> You
1: want to, to travel
0: with my katana? I travel with my bokeh and my
1: sword. So watch out. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
3: She does. Yeah. I'm at her on for, oh. <laughs> oh,
2: go well, ahead. Well, and I'm
3: waiting. I'm waiting for for the email from people going, "Who's Joan Baez?" Because she mentioned Joan Baez, right? <laughs> I know, right? I'm
2: waiting for <laughs> the we're young younger people. So to yes, go. Huh? Yeah, I think we're dating ourselves. <laughs>
3: does anybody that's under. Thirty-five will yeah, probably well. never have heard of her. <laughs>
0: well, I, you know, she was president. She she was the self-appointed president of blue belts forever. She, she, didn't to want to, she, she didn't seem to want to keep testing. She could have usually, but she didn't. So um, she was she was a bluebell forever and very proud of it. And I remember that she actually sang at Sensei's wedding at the time. It was really cool.
1: Oh, wow. Nice.
0: That cool. um, okay, yeah. I, I, I need to tell you another story and tell your listeners. I mean, these are the ones that people like to hear. People yeah. always ask me, like, when I show up and do these corporate and CEO seminars, and everyone says, Aikido, have you ever trained with Steven Seagal? So everybody <laughs> asks that question. And my answer is, Yes. <laughs> In the and go, late 70s, early 80s, when he was, by the way, he was still Steve Siegel. He kind of changed to Steven Seagal when he moved to Hollywood in, in the mid-80s. But when he was Steve mm-hmm. Siegel sensei, he would come to San Francisco and he would teach. And I was already like showdown, on. and on. So he would call me out to to Uke to be the person who would attack and ultimately take balls, take balls. Uh, so that was really, you know, really amazing. He is actually very tall, very powerful, amazingly quick. And he was at the time, shall we say. And I always remember this one time where he was showing a koshinage, a uh, hip throw. And he mm-hmm. kind of did this up which landed me on top of his shoulders. It just sort of moves me from his hips to his shoulders. Oh. And, and I must say, in all of my decades in Aikido, I've only seen a shoulder, over-the-shoulder throw a few times. Well, this was one of them. And he kind of walked around the dojo. I felt like an ant on his back as he was explaining how to do the shoulder throw, and then it was I was sort of contemplating my my fall from the top of the Empire State Building, and then it was like, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, that was interesting, and I actually saw him, somewhere along the way in the 90s, we invited him to teach a seminar in San Jose, and I remember he found me on the mat, and he asked me some personal questions, you know, did I sell my motorcycle, and when did I cut my hair, and stuff like that, Uh, but then he did a a, a Kota Gaishi on me which is uh, mm-hmm. turn-the-wrist-over kind of throw. Mm-hmm. And you can take a back ball or you can sort of uh, take this high fall in the air that makes you flip over, around your wrist and you do a whole flip mm-hmm. in the air. And I must say, I always remember that he just turned my wrist over. It was not a, a hard uh, throw at all. It was just his normal amount of key and of power. And I remember that I never sort of jumped and flipped over my wrist so hard and fast in my life. <laughs> it, was really, uh, it was really quite amazing. His his key is chi is very very powerful. Now we can wow. talk about many other things about him, but I will say that as an iidoist, he really really has a, a, a tremendous command of of his energy and of the art in that regard. And he had actually spent a lot of time in Japan training as a younger man.
3: Did, did you Very hear tough. how
0: politically correct my he was? Other big not- claim to, wait, my other big claim to fame is I used to turn him down for days. So.
1: I was- Aww.
3: <laughs> well, I, the, the company my family owned did some work for him in the 80s, and he was absolutely the nastiest individual I've ever talked to on the phone. Oh. <laughs> the rudest. And then, yet, two days later, I talked to his wife Kel, when he was married to Kelly LeBrock, and she was a, an absolute sweetheart yeah Aww.
0: well i yeah it, was, it turned out i was very happy i had refused his dates for many reasons but it turned out he was i think uh kelly got rather abused by him so not a
3: good point. I, I think i think so uh so you know you're you're uh you're a pro golfer we've said so many times talk to us a little bit how you incorporate the aikido principles into your golf instruction obviously you're you have no handicap, you're a, scratch, you're a scratch golfer as well. So tell us a bit, a bit about about what you do, how you do it, and what principles you use.
0: Well, interestingly, the, in golf jargon, golfers actually call their clubs their blades and their sticks, like what kind of blades you got, uh, calomaids, Mates, whatever. So that's the jargon, and it turns out that there's actually sort of a blade edge to an iron in golf. And the Scots call right. them sword irons. So, that, there's a certain basis right there, but though I noticed that the way that you place your hands on a bow or on a sword mm-hmm. is very, very similar to the way you hold a golf club. It's just that in golf, we actually uh, overlap one of the fingers so that the hands connect and in, in the, holding a sword, the hands are still separate. But the sense of extending your energy through the blade of the sword is like the shaft of the club. And... I have a, a sensei who always talked about the sword that cuts together, which I always thought was very interesting, mm. kind of like a Ben on Rather than this, like, violent sword you cut in two and blood and death and stuff. No, the act of holding the sword unites your left and right sides of your body, left and right sides of your brain, connects your lower body, your upper body, what I like to call your inner body, energetic mm-hmm. body and awareness with your outer physical body. So it's really the same with the golf club and... The way I teach to how to actually grip or hold the club and unite yourself around your golf club. And the golf club is actually a very, very centering uh, thing that we don't really feel in other sports, like the way you hold a baseball bat over one shoulder or something. But we very much unite ourselves in the center. And another thing that's really important is that uh, I really teach people how to use their feet and it seems like in golf there isn't much footwork but because we're not really going anywhere, running around like in basketball or tennis or something. But uh, footwork is actually very, very important in using our feet to engage our hips and then have the upper body move in conjunction with the lower body. And this is something that really is not taught a lot in golf. A lot of golfers are taught to a lot about their shoulder turn and take the club away with your hands. And they're in their upper body rather than in their – what we would now call the core and then the center and the lower body which is really where in martial arts we learn to to find and generate our power in the center and in the, from the lower body and let that flow in a relaxed mm-hmm. powerful way when we make a punch or a you know strike or whatever. So um that that kind of stuff's real interesting balance, coordination, sequence of movement, These things all come from martial arts and also focus. Just to focus ourselves in our center and to be aware, to have that mind-body connection, and to be in control of our body parts, this is something we certainly utilize in martial arts, and also a very relaxed kind of power. Uh, mm-hmm. Because in golf, to generate club head speed, which is what allows a golf ball to really fly and, and to achieve its, its proper distance, that happens when we have that stable uh, stable base and stable core in and, and center, and then the upper body can be connected and relaxed. So we, I teach that a lot in TI golf. And these things are absolutely transformative for golfers. They're like, oh, my God, why didn't anybody ever show me this before? <laughs> and I also, oh, let me say something else. I also actually two things. One is I use a sword. I actually, that's why I travel with my katana, you know, um, because <laughs> it actually shows where the face of the club needs to be throughout the golf swing. So I demonstrate the whole golf swing using a sword. Mm. And then people start to understand where they, how they, Slice. I mean, literally, that you'll slice the ball or you'll cut across the ball. That's the language we use in golf, and you can see it when when I demonstrate using a sword rather than a golf club, where the slice and the cutting across and all that comes from. So that's very very interesting. And then one other really really amazing thing is I developed something called the Ki Golf Kata's and martial arts. Oh wow! No yeah, it it is a wow. Um, it came to me. I'll tell you, it was sort of like a revelation about 15 that's years cool. ago. But what happened is that uh, golfers always complain about being inconsistent. That's one mm-hmm. of the biggest complaints. They're always looking for more distance, more accuracy, and above all, confidence and consistency. Well, here's the thing. The martial arts masters, their wisdom was to put all the complex movements of martial arts, punches, kicks, et cetera, into a kata, into a form. And that way mm-hmm. they could teach that form, and as a student, you could go home and practice that form, and then you get uh, critique, and you, you improve your form. The form is basically correct, and it's got mm-hmm. proper positions, proper transitions of movement. It's got proper qualities of movement. And then you repeat and repeat the form, and we know that we see a white belt and a black belt perform the same kata, and it looks entirely different just over repetitive uh,
1: practice. Mm-hmm.
0: So I was... Walking on the beach one day in San Diego, twirling my Joe, and all of a sudden the golf swing appeared, and I had this revelation in my mind, and which was that the golf swing is a kata; it's a repeating form of backswing, swing, impact, follow-through motion, and mm-hmm. out of that, using using my my Joe, my stick, and golf clubs are like sticks, right? And I I developed the Kiai Golf Katas to teach the golf swing as a correct repeating form. And so it's really been so helpful and actually transformative to golfers to actually understand the golf swing as a kata, to have something they can actually practice at home and they're not wondering if they're on-plane and off-plane and should they be here and should they be there, all the things that golfers get all messed up in their minds and they're tweaking this and tweaking that. No, here's the kata, practice the kata, and you will develop the correct muscle memory And until you get to that point where, as the master said, the purpose of kata is to throw away the kata. You don't need it anymore. Oh, it's cool. It's You start doing it automatically. So the Kiai Golf Katas are really, really cool. They, you know, use your golf club. And so they've really, really helped people to develop a much better golf swing, it gives them repeatability, which is the basis for consistency, which is the basis for confidence. Uh, so, uh, oh, I have one more one more answer to a great question, and that is this, that in Aikido and martial arts in general, certainly in Aikido, we learn to be centered. And mm-hmm. in golf, the thing in golf is that we need to make what we call centered contact That's, uh, from the golf club to the golf ball. It's what we call hitting the sweet spot. And, in mm-hmm. fact, we're always trying to find a sweet spot in a conversation, in a deal, on a business, whatever. But, okay, so sweet spot contact on the golf ball. Now, here's my my observation is that most, golf ball, most golfers make centered contact on a random basis. And you can see that at the driving range. Everybody's hitting balls, and, like, two are good, and three are terrible, and there's a good one. Mm-hmm. next five are awful. <laughs> and they're just trying to get those good ones thing on the golf course, they hit a few really centered, perfect, sweet shots and the ones that keep them coming back again. But that's why they're so inconsistent. They don't know how they did it. So here's my theory is that if I'm centered and I move in this centered, properly sequenced way, like in Mm -hmm. the class that is based on being centered and sequenced. Okay, so I'm centered, I move in a centered way, I'm going to come out with centered context. Centered plus centered equals centered. So it's as a golfer, you could up your percentages of centered shots from random to thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy percent. Guess what? You're automatically going to be playing a lot better. And when you miss, you're not going to hit on the heel of the club or the toe of the club. You're just going to miss uh-huh. a little. That means your golf ball is going to be maybe on the side of the fairway or a little bit in the rough. It's not going to be over the lost in the woods or out of bounds or in a lake. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> These things actually work in practice, and and to give golfers a way to practice like that, which is basically saying, hey, we're going to practice golf kind of martial arts style, and and you will actually improve. You will be centered. You will have kata like consistency, kata like power, and this will get so internalized in a in a correct way that you can throw away the kata. You'll be making naturally good golf swings.
2: Very cool. So, do you figure that that some golf players, um, because their their uh, their hits might be random, do, do you find that when they do have a, a a good swing, that is it an accident to them, or is it you know because they're actually aware of their center at that point in time and then forget about it and on other swings, and then when you introduce that concept that 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 makes sense to them, um, do they realize that? They're probably not being aware of their center as much. Before. Well, a lot of
0: golfers, it's just your average golfers, a lot of them start to realize, oh, that's why this isn't working. That's why all those lessons are mm. never really getting anywhere. <laughs> now, really, nobody explained it to me. No one gave me a way to practice this like this before, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of like a revelation, but it makes so much sense. It's like really common sense. I I, I forget one guy. He was probably like I don't know, seventy eight years old, and he said. God, I really wish I was 20 now uh, because I could really play golf well. I could probably live my whole life better if I would have known this when I was 20. Um,
1: That's
2: so, awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's really cool. In fact, I really feel that these principles, IT, KI, whatever, uh, I'd love to see them taught in first grade. What I mean by that is that we teach kids reading, writing arithmetic. Those are basics.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: if we taught them the basics of these Just a couple basic ideas. You are qi, qi. You are life energy. Mm -hmm. It's in your body, and it works through your mind, your emotions, your body, your spirit. And here's how it works. You get centered, balanced, connected, um, integrated, breathe, relax, flow. That's how it works, and you're in charge. You are in charge of your energy, nobody else. So you can Mm -hmm. be a little master of your energy, and then throughout your life, You, with your particular interest, love, personality, passion, uh, talent, will decide to do whatever you do with it. What you decide to do is what you decide to do. You will learn the technique for for golf or for singing or for uh, woodworking. It doesn't matter what it is. But Mm -hmm. whatever your passions are, but here's how you're going to bring yourself to it. So what if we could outfit kids when they're little to understand that they're what they're made of. They're made of this life energy. It's in their body, and they think, and they feel, and they move, and then they connect that to the tools of their trade or the things that they're interested in, and they're the ones in charge of it. So they need to know what to do when they get stressed out, or when adversity hits, or when they're having trouble. Mm-hmm. And they need to, and they understand the learning process. They understand the the getting better process, that sort of white to black black belt process, and anything that that we learn to do. I mean, mm-hmm. that, what's really cool. I mean, I think in martial arts, the that whole developmental process from white to to color to you know brown, black belt, higher levels of black belt that's that's just the learning process that we go through in everything. I mean, there's blue mm-hmm. like, belt well golfers, you know. <laughs> there's, um, I I wanted to. I remember I wanted to learn to play the banjo. I was like a complete beginner, um, you know. And, so you just start, and but this is the learning process. This is how you bring yourself to it. I think that it would be awesome for every every human being to know that, and to get that as basic education.
2: Mm-hmm. I would love to see something like that happen. I mean it's like you know, and kids learn through movement, you know and it yet I'm a firm believer in that kids don't don't learn just sitting at a desk looking at numbers, you know that kind of thing they learn yeah, exactly. experience you know and and I think something like that you know, it would be... You know, and teaching it to them through movement um, w- would be awesome, you know. It, I think every school should have some type of movement um, class like that, other than PE. And even then, like, PE is, like, being taken out of a lot of school systems right now. Uh, yeah, but but definitely...
0: I know, that's like a crime. It's just a crime against our children and, and our nature that that's, that's happening. But um, I think... What I discovered is that here I learned to play golf when I was a kid and I was a good athlete, and it was good. Uh, it was great. It was awesome. What Aikido gave me was the actual concepts to understand what mm. I was doing, what I was being taught, and what mm-hmm. I sort of naturally knew. And so I think that we could teach anything with more of this kind of awareness. We could teach basketball or baseball or it really doesn't matter. It would be nice if we taught PE with more consciousness of energy and energy dynamics, body mind connection. If we talked mm-hmm. about things in that regard, which is entirely possible to do. It's not a big, big stretch or leap at all. We could just mm-hmm. um, take things a little bit deeper and, and uh, in everything. And uh, and uh, I think people could get that education, you know, and kids could get that education.
2: Definitely. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. (laughs) I'd love to see that. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Now, like, seven years old, you got into golf. Now, like, a lot of people are, like, getting into Little League and stuff like that, but what got you interested in golf at such a young age?
0: Well, just because my parents started playing, and this was way back when, and who knows what got them interested. I think their friends started to play, and so when I was seven, my mom and dad started to play, and it was a little par three golf course. I grew up in the Midwest, and uh, mm-hmm. we went down to this little par three and started playing. And I just had a, a kind of a natural ability, and I actually became the Wisconsin State Junior Champion when I was 13, and I wow. was a State Champ a number of times. And then I played some national tournaments and was ranked in the top 10 nationally. I, I at the time, I mean, I had the ability to to go on the tour. But the tour wasn't anywhere near as developed as it is now. And when I got accepted to a good university, it was kind of like, hmm, I guess I'm going to college. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the face seemed to have something else in mind for me, which was Aikido and this whole other path I took rather than the golf. But it's been really kind of cool. It's been like a great big Aikido spiral to to come back and a upward, an upward spiral to... Aikido uh, to golf, mm-hmm. and to be able to bring Aikido and psychology and fitness and sort of holistic approaches back to golf. So that's it's
3: really been nice. Very cool.
2: Very awesome. cool. Wow. You, you know,
3: you know, since I I bought when I when I was golfing till my back went out, I I actually just to say I had one. I went out and bought a one iron.
0: Oh, a one iron.
3: A one-iron. They had one at Sportchelli, and I bought it just to say I had it. I went. To, I showed it to my golf instructor, and he said, Lee Trevino says only God can hit with a one-iron. That's what I that
0: was going
3: to say. And they say even God can't hit a one-iron. Right. What's but a one-iron? No, the blade, <laughs> I'm, the I'm blade was, like, straight. There was no no, oh. no angle on it at all. It was straight. Oh, my it god! Was, it was actually just cool to ask.
0: Uh, This is a place where technology has come in, and they have new clubs these days called hybrids so that uh, one-irons, even three-irons are difficult to hit for for most people these days. So uh, these hybrid clubs work really well. They're kind of a cross between the old fairway woods and irons. Uh, You'll find Mm -hmm. them easier. I I recommend you go find yourself a few hybrids and uh, trade that in. Give give your one-iron back to God. (laughs) See if he can can hit with it.
2: (laughs) Give your one iron back to God. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Well, know, I'm just sitting here going. I know nothing about golf. I don't even know what you know. I don't even know why they're called woods and irons and why they're numbered. And <laughs> well, well, well.
3: You know, I, I, I went. I, you know, I, I golfed on a couple different courses, Rusty, and I sucked. I would slice and hook. And I put more balls in the water than a men's polo team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good
0: way well, to put it. Well, I, I think it's time for PI Golf for you. Actually, let me tell you a story. We're on a martial arts show. Is that when I was yeah. developing ti Golf, I thought, you know what, this ought to this help everybody, but I'm going to take two groups of brand-new beginners, people who don't play golf, don't like golf, don't know anything about golf, and, and one group is going to be just average people, and the other group is going to be Aikido people. And my hypothesis was the Aikido people with this instruction should do better as a brand new group of beginners than the other group. And Mm -hmm. that, in fact, happened, which was really kind of cool, because they already sort of understood the principles of centering. They knew how to focus. They knew how to deliver their energy to something else. I mean, they were used to throwing a person. Now they had to hit a, a small, a tiny golf ball instead of a big, big body. But... They were actually able to utilize the instruction, and they—I must say—they—they they did better than the other control group, uh, which was kind of cool. And I have definitely found that martial artists, um, well, and a lot of martial artists who are taking up golf, who are really interested in golf, and uh, they start to see their drives or every shot. I always say every shot's like a sword cut, right? Get your drive on mm-hmm. the fairway, your next shot on the green, your putt into the hole. <laughs> it's really like that. So, uh,
3: well, well, me say, my drive was so bad that we had I was on a a part three and it had dog leg to it. it hooked to the right uh-huh my my ball followed the side of that mountain <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. I didn't have to do two to go around that dog leg. It was a one shot deal, <laughs> Well,
0: I hope you're feeling after our conversation the last for a while that there's actually hope even for you. Right? She, <laughs> uh, oh myself, my
3: god, martial, she sounds like my wife
0: uh expertise concepts and you could actually improve a
3: golf. <laughs> well let me it's tell you it, this, I couldn't get any worse. I'm I'd have saying, to yeah, <laughs> improve. <laughs> I actually Not
0: I would this opportunity I'm I I'm doing something really cool. It's a, a new endeavor that we're just launching and it's called Every Businesswoman Golf. Uh, We just launched the website But this is really cool The idea is that Golf has traditionally been very much of a man's sport And um, honestly Even a white man's sport Yeah. So Mm -hmm. what we're doing is um, We're bringing diversity into golf And we're bringing women into golf So much of uh, A lot of business happens on the golf course And kind of being in a business golf game Is really important for women Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing a lot of trainings that have to do with getting a golf game or improving a golf so you feel like you can play respectively or play even better than you do already. And also learning all the elements uh, the to to capitalize I would say on the business opportunities that go on uh, through the sport of golf and the game of golf. And we're having a retreat. It's going to be in Napa April 10th to the 12th. There's a lot of information on the website. And I'm actually teaming up with an LPGA tour legend. Her name is Renee Powell. She was only the second African-American woman to ever play on the LPGA tour at the time. From She played 1967 to 1980. And just three weeks ago, the, the very first seven women became honorary members of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. And she was amongst them. Annika Sorensen was one of them. But Renee Powell is one of the first seven women in over 260 years to be admitted to St. Andrews. So wow. Teaching and teaching us, and uh, excited. I'm excited to teach with her, and she's been telling me how much she's excited to kind of learn PI golf and to understand, well, what, is, what do you do? How do you bring martial arts into golf? What does that have to do with it? Um, so it's going to be interesting for everybody, and it's really about our own personal mastery and expertise in what we do, what everyone does, and, and to have that training.
2: Very cool. Very
0: cool.
3: Now, since I understand you're in, you, you've are you also studied body work and somatic healing, can you explain to our listeners exactly what that is, what body work is? Many of our listeners may think it's just massage therapy. What exactly mm-hmm. kind of body work do you do? Well,
0: I, I actually started doing massage when I started training in Aikido, probably a month or two in. Everybody was sore. I was certainly sore from taking some bad falls. We used to give each other neck rubs and stuff, and so I started out taking massage therapy classes and, and courses, and then I studied uh, deep tissue body work and sort of osteopathic adjustment body work, uh, energetics healing work. I use essential oils and adjustment kind of work, a lot of different things. And so somatics is really and body work is really this whole area of our body. Soma means the body in in Greek, so. Um, I think it's really important that we keep our bodies in good shape, that we're aware of our bodies, that we refer to our bodies as a, a place of information, a place to be present in, a place to take care of, you know, the, the body's our temple. It's it's our vehicle. It's what we use. And so um, body work has to do with, uh, very, you know, just, just a lot of awareness in our bodies and how to use them well, how to take care of them well. And there's also a hands-on uh, healing work. For example, here in Chicago, I'm visiting uh, a very dear friend of mine who is um, pretty seriously ill with cancer, and I just was doing body work with him uh, the last couple of hours before I came on the show. He has a lot of edema from cancer in one of his legs, and he hasn't been able to bend it, at, or mm-hmm. and his foot is very kind of stuck. It's just so swollen, and so I've been doing body work for a long time, and my hands know kind of what to do, and I worked on him and worked on him, and by goodness, a lot of the swelling went down. We got his ankle rotating and moving. We got his knee bending. We got his toes working. And he got out of bed in a way. He hasn't gotten out of bed in weeks. His wife was completely shocked. And he walked down the hallway in the house, and his granddaughter's visiting, and he started dancing. She pulled out her iPad and started wow. him. This
1: wow. Little dance. That's but awesome. There was
0: who, who could barely get out of bed and was like, uh, difficulty getting out of bed and, and in a wheelchair. And I think I was up on the feet dancing after about 45 minutes of body work, hands on body work. So wow. that's kind of the difference. It's just got a therapeutic aspect to it. And it's really understanding that it's like everything is possible and that we really need to get our hands on and hands in. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is what fanatics is. And it's kind of interesting. I think that we're a martial arts practice, all of these. Embodied practices are so important. And they always have been, but almost more than ever these days, just because we are in such virtual reality, right? I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're we're more on our devices, and I mean, the internet's fabulous, and uh, virtual reality has expanded our our experiences, but it's also removed us in certain ways from having that kind of hands-on, connected, direct experience. So, it's really important that we're very embodied. I would say. Mm. And, and, and he and my friend and I were joking. He was like, oh, don't bother coming. to We can just talk to each other on Skype. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm coming. I've got to see you. And we were laughing about uh, on Skype we couldn't do body work, right, and we couldn't do IQ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <and> we couldn't <laughs> hug, you know. We couldn't just, like, be together. We needed yeah. to physically be together. So that's somatics is just being really physical. Let's get physical. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. I'm you know, I I'm, I'm a firm believer in in uh any type of body work cuz cause, cause it sure beats having to, you know, take drugs to, sure. you know, combat pain or or uh fix posture and you know stuff like that. I'm I'm, I'm all for it. It's 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 awesome. Like I had uh, about 2 years ago, um I went through this bout where I could not Get rid of daily migraines. I'd wake up with a migraine, go to bed with a migraine, and they'd be these would be like sick, sick migraines. And one of my best friends, she's a massage therapist, and you know I I, I liked massage therapy, but I really didn't understand really what it was. And she you know she did time massage and and the hot stones and just a bajillion different types of uh, therapies. And she's like, well, here, let me let me work on you, and just a one hour session, just one hour. The headache abated, and I woke up the next morning, no migraine. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for the next, mm-hmm. like, two months, there was no migraine, and then it, like, happened again. And I finally started listening to my body as it as it reacted to pain because, you know, for so many years, it was like I trained in that, oh, okay, well, you know, no pain, no gain type of thing, right? And just didn't listen mm-hmm. to the, oh, my body's getting older it's not, you know, it's not going to take the the falls very well or getting thrown on concrete or anything. And uh, she told me about all the adhesions that I had and uh, just how out of whack and how unbalanced mm-hmm. my body was. And she just basically... Like it felt like she put me back together, and mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. to this day I, I I will you know I will see her every month for the tune up just to keep the migraines at bay. And if I do get a migraine, it's because I either ate something really weird or I didn't listen to my body the day before. And then I you know I got to pay for it right <laughs> you know and yeah, until yeah. I see her again. And if but you know but before that before I saw her I was taking pharmaceuticals to to abate the pain and I just got sick of it my stomach was not like handling it very well I'm like oh my god I got to do something because I like, I can't be sick every day and it it, it, it was just amazing I, I just can't believe it 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 it, it was uh I'm okay <laughs> I'll shut up yeah, now <laughs> yeah well you know
0: it seems really it's kind of like uh, miracles happen and my friend's says like this was like miraculous but I mean, it makes sense. I call it the mechanics for the magic. And basically, I feel like mm. I taught me mechanics for the magic. And there's actual ways to do things and that we can work and that we can, uh, and that are very natural and it's healthy energy through our bodies. And when we have alignment, like you said, she you put you back together. I mean, not only do bones get out of alignment, which chiropractors work with. I learned from one of my teachers that our organs and our muscles and our tendons and our ligaments, soft tissue, everything can get out of place and when things are not in alignment, uh, the energy is flowing properly through all of the systems of our bodies. When we start to get that all working better and we get some of the stiffness and the tightness and the blockages, whether they come from physical or old emotional trauma, whatever it is, or, or mind, thoughts, beliefs, et cetera, when we get all that stuff started to be loosened up and working in this uh, this eye, this harmony, then the body wants to be healthy, we want to be healthy, we want to be happy, all of a sudden the system starts to self-heal. And it seems mm-hmm. like a miracle, but it actually, like, makes a lot of sense.
2: hmm Yeah, she used to joke that I was like, she's like, my God, Rusty, you're like chop suey. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're all mixed <laughs> up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> it was all mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, th- yeah, thank you for explaining what bodywork was because cause, you know I, I wanted the the listeners to to get a, the full boat on what it is um, really as opposed to just oh it's just you know masseuse type mm-hmm. stuff. And d- does that does that bother oh, you? It bothers my friend the word masseuse? You know, I mean, does that because she she takes it she takes it as sort of an insult like it like it uh, uh, hints at like. You know, like the Go ahead. The, say
3: it. Go ahead
0: mean?
2: prostitute type yeah, like happy shoes, stuff
0: like that. It's too bad that it's got a, a bad connotation because I mean everybody loves a massage, right? Um mm-hmm. and, and massage body work, everybody loves it. It's too bad it has that that bad connotation. Um but so you know, so the word body worker or um, somatic, you know, therapist, these kinds of things kind of uh maybe upgrade the language. But the truth is that there are are, uh, masseurs and masseuses who are very talented. Um, Mm -hmm. And, again, just kind of a, together that bad connotation. But, you know, in general, uh, the body has a pretty bad rap and a pretty bad rep. I mean, it's sort Mm -hmm. of the Judeo-Christian ethic that treats the body as, like, dirty and sex and don't go there kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. even our image of this enlightened Master in the East is usually this sort of skinny, rickety person, right mm-hmm. because the physical world isn't really real, and we don't have a very good image and a very good good sense of what this an integrated mind body spirit way of living is, but the truth is they really need to be together, and that way we're healthier and honestly, the planet would be healthier I think we'd be we'd be in much better shape and we'd be respecting other people's bodies. I think abuse and violence and wars would probably stop, and if we were really connected at that somatic level, I think we would probably have a lot less environmental destruction, all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. But So the the embodiment piece is, is really, really important. Uh, and, in mm-hmm. fact, something we haven't really talked about that I did want to mention is that uh, we've been using Aikido to build bridges and actual somatic, physical experiences of connecting, experiences of connecting between people in conflict, and oh. so we, which has been uh, Aikido as a tool of peacemaking and peace building. Uh, the founder of Aikido actually talked about Aikido as medicine for a sick world, and he felt that we were out of touch with our with our bodies, out of tune with nature, and that it was very important that we we connect in that way. And he also, you know, he was known as the greatest martial artist in Japan. It was sort of during World War One, World War Two era in in Japan, which was like a, a fascist era in Japan. And here he was, this great martial artist, or greatest even, undefeated. And uh, some of the first Aikido senseis were karate karate guys who heard about this little this little guy Morihei Ueshiba. He was five feet tall, who could throw you without touching you. Who said attack me day or night while I'm always awake. He was really a neat guy. God told us I mean, there's all these great stories and lessons about sensei. But, uh, so here he was, undefeatable, and he realized at some point, because he was a spiritual man, that something was bothering him. That if he could defeat everybody and everybody was harmed or dead and he was okay, like I win, you lose, I'm okay, you're not, that that wasn't kind of the ultimate uh, goal of things. And there was something that just wasn't leading to to a really great place, if I'm okay and you're not. So the stories go that he prayed and meditated about this and had an enlightenment experience one day in a garden, saw light and tears streamed down his face, and his realization was expressed in a very short sentence that said, true Budo, the warrior way, true Budo is I, is love, is harmony. And so the essence of the warrior way was actually to – was the loving protection of all life. So rather than trying to harm the other, we want to protect ourselves and neutralize the aggression and the danger and the harm by ultimately taking the person down in sort of a spiraling way. The body works in in, – you don't have to break somebody's elbow, right? You can Mm -hmm. take the whole body down in a circle rather than just – break their their arm or something. So he kind of modified the techniques of Aikido and really brought in this whole philosophy of harmlessness, of nonviolence. So, and he, again, he said Aikido's medicine for a sick world. It was a way to help make all human beings one family. So we've been using Aikido to help get the people who have been like enemies and been in conflict, particularly in the Middle East, to get people together uh, through training together in Aikido and studying in a physical, somatic way, this this philosophy and this practice of peace.
2: Very cool. Awesome. Now, um, speaking of this ongoing project, you are part of a project called Training Across Borders. And I've I've been waiting to ask you about this because I'm really curious about about this project that you're involved in. Can you tell us about Training The Training Across Borders conference?
0: Oh, absolutely. I really appreciate you asking about it. Well, we launched the Training Across Borders project in 2005, so this is uh, the 10-year anniversary, actually. And the train, we have a Training Across Borders conference. We held it in, in the island of Cyprus, which is actually divided between the Greeks and the Turks, who have been fighting for, for centuries, actually, and had a war in the early 70s. There's a UN buffer zone between Greek and Turkish Cyprus. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where we actually held this conference. And we invited Israelis and Arabs. To, uh, primarily, oh. we had Serbs and Bosnians. We had a few Greeks and Turks. Again, uh, people in co- uh, living in conflict zones and in longstanding conflicts who ordinarily mm-hmm. regard each other as enemies and don't get together. Um, and we invited them to come together to train at, in this peace conference to train across the, their borders. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and at the time, we also helped to get Aikido really going in Palestinian areas in East Jerusalem and in the West Bank. And mm-hmm. so there's now actually a Palestinian Aikido Federation. There's a, a, a dojo in Ramallah in West Bank. There are Palestinians training in Israel and, and training also together with Israelis. Um, but in 2005, who came to this conference? We had 100 people, and there were Israelis, there were Palestinians, there were Iraqis, there from the Baghdad Samurai Center. And this was during the Iraq War, mind you. And mm-hmm. Aikidoists from Jordan, and we we had invited some Aikidoists from Egypt and Lebanon, who ultimately didn't come because the Israelis were there. They couldn't quite take that leap across the border. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, we had a few uh, spaces for uh, some Greeks and Turks and Serbs and Bosnians. So it was really a a groundbreaking experience for everybody. We trained for four days, and people came because they all did Aikido. Aikido Mm -hmm. itself is like a universal body language. And Mm -hmm. they they had a connection in their minds and their hearts to... Uh, the teachings of Aikido and the teachings of the founder. And so they thought, okay, they were willing to take that step to sort of meet the enemy, to to grab wrists and to roll around on the mm-hmm. mat. And, and, and they wanted to learn Aikido, more Aikido. Every person likes to go to good Aikido conference. So, you know, we had good teachers and we had some breakout sessions around leadership and healing from trauma, Aikido projects, and, for example, the favelas of Brazil, uh, using Aikido in therapeutic work, psychotherapy, so these breakout sessions were really interesting, and it was really a phenomenal experience. We were as the organizers kind of nervous, like what's going to happen when these people get here. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and what happened was honestly it was four days that uh, some participants described as heaven on earth, as doing things that governments could haven't been able to do for centuries. Mm-hmm. That and it was like uh, it was like a love fest, and we we ate. Similar food. We did line dancing, Greek and uh, Israeli, uh, Arab line dancing. I mean, the music. We played drums. We played Beatles and Pretty Woman and danced. And uh, so, <laughs> there were all those sort of cultural things. We had talent shows. It was really cool. We had a young man, Tesfaya Tekel, was his name from Ethiopia, came and he is now uh, after after we were together in Cyprus. He's um, trained quite a bit more and he's a black belt. But he Founded a project which is called the um, uh, it's a youth. It's a youth and community change project, Action for Youth and Community Change, and we have a peace dojo in Ethiopia. I was actually oh, able to cool. to teach there in August for three weeks, and about a month ago, we had our very first uh, shodan black belt exams in Ethiopia. So Aikido is beginning wow. to spread in Ethiopia, which has been a a, a country that's had a lot of uh, strife and you know tribal. Conflicts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, anyways, uh, the, so our the, uh, Train Across Borders is, uh, we're getting ready to hold our 10th anniversary conference. It's coming up in Athens, October 7th to the 11th this year. And we're busy organizing it and doing fundraising for it. We need to uh, raise some funds to help sponsor participants because they can't necessarily afford to come from different mm-hmm. conflict zones. Uh, we have uh, we're going to be at a sports camp outside of Athens. We have uh, wonderful teachers uh, lined up. And so they'd be interested and cares to help or be involved or possibly even go. Uh, or if a dojo wanted to sponsor uh, a couple you know, a of participants through fundraising seminars or donations. We have an national nonprofit, uh, so it's all tax deductible. I'm doing some uh, tap fundraising seminars in the coming months. But it's, it's an amazing undertaking when I look and see what's happened in our first decade, since 2005, and see that we have the Ethiopia project, we have a peace camp initiative where Christian, Muslim, Jewish kids training martial arts for peace are training together and traveling doing things together. We've had more joint trainings. We now have a, a Palestinian uh, sort of Humbu Dojo in, in the West Bank. A lot of things are, are going on. and. And I see the individual lives that has been changed, and I see how much my own life has been changed through the opportunities to train together and to meet uh in, in a mutually respectful context that that martial arts provides. We bow to each other in equality and in peace mm-hmm. and then we engage so it's it's really been very profound and uh i you know i I would do it full time if I could <laughs> it's, just, it's <laughs> very compelling and very rewarding and uh And we actually, in Aikido Extensions we have a whole project called Peace Dojos International, Uh, what makes a dojo a peace dojo. Um, And you don't have to be an Aikido dojo to be part of Peace Dojos International. Um, And the idea is just that we realize that the sort of self-cultivation that we're doing as martial artists is to build a kind of character and kind of leadership, a kind of empowerment that is beneficial for everybody. It's
2: not just good for me and too bad for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know what I find really cool uh, about the conference is that you have all these people that that would normally consider the others as enemies coming together to practice the principles of harmony. It, it just—I was like—it blew my mind, you know. And and they and they didn't see the other person as someone as you know, an enemy across the border. They they see them as an aikidoka, and and I just exactly. wow, that's 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 amazing. That's amazing. Where can our listeners, if they're interested, get more information about training across borders? Is there like a, a website?
0: Yeah, there is. A tab training across borders. Tab 2015org dot org. Tab mm. two fifteen dot org. And there's also org, A-I-K-I-Extensions, with an S at the end, .org.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can
0: go there for, for information. Uh, if anybody wants to contact me, I'm more than happy to give them information. We're just getting our registration materials up, so um, you know, that will be opening soon.
2: Very cool. Very uh, awesome. And, uh,
0: I mean, if you if people realize, I mean, how much uh, their lives uh, they are helping to change lives by helping people, sponsoring people to attend this, it's it's really incredible. Uh, I'll tell you one quick story. I I remember we had uh, I I was able to go to a Muslim village outside of Nazareth in Israel Mm -hmm. to teach Aikido, and I had gotten connected to them through our martial arts for peace program, and so and it was a karate school. And so I went to teach Aikido to the Karate kids, basically. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: anyway, so I get there, and it was, again, it was a Muslim village, and the teacher, I was going to teach, and I was like, no, you, let me just watch you teach. It was a young woman, she was in her early 20s, she was wearing a hijab, but so she was you kind know, sort of a, a practicing traditional a young Muslim woman. And it turned out that her father was one of the main karate instructors in all of northern Israel, and you know, in the Arab in northern Israel. And, yeah, it was, like, very eye-opening for me because for all the pictures that I showed people and stories that I was able to share, most people have such uh, uninformed and, and sort of warped ideas. We just don't – it's amazing how limited our minds are. And we think, well, if you're a traditional Muslim, you wouldn't be empowering your daughter to become a karate mm-hmm. sensei. And yet mm-hmm. that is what's really going on, right? Um, so uh, it, it was just tremendous kinds of experiences like that. I was teaching in Jordan, and I was in uh, – actually, I was amazed that I got invited to teach in Jordan because I kind of figured I had all these strikes against me being American and Jewish and a woman, mm-hmm. and Israeli. Uh, uh, really. I mean, all these things. I was like, mm-hmm. please come and teach. So I did, that came as a result of our uh, TAP experience in 2005. But I was in the home of a Jordanian Sensei and I met his parents and his parents had both been uh, become refugees from the nineteen sixty seven war in Israel. And mm-hmm. one was born and raised in, in Hebron and one which is on the West Bank and one in Jerusalem and they became refugees and so they lived in Jordan all this time. And it was it was just a new incredibly um opening experience that they opened their home to me. And so for me, I learned so much. And for them, it was like, hmm, you know, starting to move out of, you know, where they had been uh, for so mm-hmm. long. So it's like, you know, we all need to, like, kind of take these steps to move across our borders, uh, mm-hmm. whatever they may be, whatever they may be. Um, in fact, I did a fundraising seminar. I was living in San Diego back in 2005 for the, for the CAB seminar. And I invited a bunch of different senseis in San Diego and seven teachers came and they were from seven different Aikido organizations. And wow. I was each <laughs> one of them for their segment of the class. And it was i was I realized we were training across our own organizational borders as it were. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, all these students said, Wow, this is so cool. It's like I never I never would have trained with you or I never went to your dojo. I've always heard of you, and you're only 20 minutes away or 30 minutes away, but you're in a whole other Aikido style or different political organization. And we trained across our own borders in a place as, as so beautiful as San Diego. So it's, it's amazing how we just get in our own kind of mindset, and we, I don't know, we just don't cross those borders enough and, and open ourselves up and realize that mm-hmm. it's all human beings. We are all human beings. We are all so the same in that regard. And we mm-hmm. just fight with each other as such and forget all these other things that divide us and keep us apart or in fear of one another. Um, it's it's a right. really, I think, really, really important. And I feel that the founder of Aikido was, was trying to tell us like, Go forth and do that. That's what. That's really what you're doing. Yes, you're learning how to you know, turn someone's wrist over, or joint locks, or sword techniques. You're learning all this cool stuff, but it's for the sake of this this empowerment that understands that at the energy level we're all one, and that we need to to relate with a sense of 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 love. You know, of loving protection mm-hmm. of all
2: life. Exactly, and you know, it's 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 so cool and refreshing to to hear that because like me me and bob we always talk about how sad it is that even martial arts will fight amongst themselves and actually make enemies out of other people in the martial arts even within their own styles and Mm -hmm. aikido and tai chi and you know there are other arts out there that don't do that and i have to ask myself why what's what's different about like tai chi and aikido and and these uh these other martial arts that you know that that use the the universal principles of what they teach and and just work with it as opposed to my style of karate is better than your style of karate and MMA sucks (laughs) and karate sucks and you know all this other kind of stuff it's just so sad and and to hear the stories that you're telling about People across borders coming together, and and people realizing that hey, maybe maybe I can change. Maybe I, you know, I can I can change my golf. I can change the way I feel about Jews and women. And you know, it's just it's just empowering, and it's and it's just so refreshing to hear because me and Bob hear too much about just fighting <laughs> amongst people. Yeah. Well, so well, I,
0: let me let me say this. I mean. I wish that I could say that Aikido was this, like, idyllic world. It It, mm-hmm. it is. I mean, there's still politics and there's still division yeah. and all that stuff. And, um, but I think that, it, you know, um, at least we're all trying, you know, and, and the right. martial arts in general, I think, kind of follow a sort of a certain um, code of ethics. I mean, uh, the samurai code or whatever. But there's this sense mm-hmm. of, what would it mean to be a black belt person? What kind of characteristics, what kind of qualities would a black belt person, a black belt human being, embody?
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: so and that's something that kind of cuts across martial arts. And ultimately, I think if we try to think about mastery as self mastery, that's one of the things El Sensei, the founder, said, is that true victory is self victory. And that's about polishing our own character and overcoming this mind of discord within. Rather than thinking there's some enemy out there, it's our own mind of discord within. To mm-hmm. that separation and all. So, teachings like that. And, I mean, Aikido's not the only sort of uh, practice that, that has all these wonderful teachings by any means. And, you know, we, we certainly see in all kinds of fields, including in Aikido, that our, our human nature kind of comes in and, and causes difficulties. But mm-hmm. if, we, if we can... I think really try to follow and embody uh, practice, this sort of way of harmony that that I think we'll find a better world. And actually, I think we'll find more just health in, mm-hmm. within our own bodies. I mean, we need harmony in our body system. We have to have all our systems working in harmony, feed it right, feed our bodies right, and have our circulation and our metabolism and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they need to work together. And when we have a a thought and a belief and the emotion and our actual physical movements, if that stuff could all be working together, we would be healthier. We'd be having more uh, harmony in our relationships. And ultimately, it turns out we have more success. You know, we do Mm -hmm. better. There's performances there. Relationships go better. People say, yes, things happen um, instead of all this division and discord, which wastes a lot of energy and causes friction and difficulty and system breakdown.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
0: Um you know, for me Aikido is just kind of talking about that and uh it's not the only only practice that's talking about it. But um, you know, as martial artists I think if we could just even bring that notion of uh and ask ourselves what does it mean to be a black belt person and how could I bring that kind of black beltness into the world and bring mm. those quality into the world that that we're doing we're doing our practice in you know, in the dojo and, and beyond.
2: That's a wonderful you know, way to put I, it. I like that.
3: You know, you you did say that very very well, uh, Jamie. Because we're we're seeing so many acts of martial mm-hmm. artists right now that are so grade school, mm-hmm. childish. I mean, Rusty had a threat of somebody said, "If you don't, if you don't stop talking to this person, I'm going to unfriend you from Facebook." So what? It's getting really bad. It's getting horrible out there. Uh, but I do have one last question because our show is reaching the top of the hour. Uh, if someone wants to contact you, either about Aikido Golf or IKeto Instruction, how would they go about doing so?
0: Well, the most direct way is to go to my website, which is com. It's mm-hmm. T H E K I A I W A Y, thekiway.com. You can also get to the same website through kiigolf.com, K I A I golf, G O L S, kiigolf.com. So that talks about uh, just different practices, whether it's ki golf, ki business, body work, et cetera. And uh, there are some videos on there, uh, videos on YouTube, which I actually have more to, to put up there. So that's a, a best place to start. If any woman in particular is interested in, the, in our upcoming retreat, that's going to be an amazing experience next month in Napa. And information is on everybusinesswomangolf.com. And Very uh, you can cool. also, you know, email me Jamie Jamie Sensei, J A M I E. That's how I spell my name. J A M I E Sensei at com or Jamie Z Sensei for Zimron. Jamie Z Sensei at gmail.com. So email works real
2: well, and you know I'm pretty responsive. I try to get back to people, and um, those are some good ways to start. I would say. Very cool. Well, I'm going to awesome. try to get uh, some of those links up on our Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio uh, Facebook page, so that way, if people are interested, uh, they'll they'll have those uh, those websites uh, at their disposal. But thank yeah, you I really, so I really much.
0: And, and again, uh, training across borders if that if that's exciting anybody, please contact me go to tab two fifteen t a b two o one five dot org and mm-hmm. um it, just get in contact with us because we we certainly can can use your energy and your support uh and you can feel real good about what what you're doing for other people
2: that sounds awesome. We'll get awesome. that link up uh, up on our facebook page also, so thank you so much Sensei jamie for uh, just a motivating discussion, and joining us and telling us a little bit about Aiky and IKey Golf and and uh, training across borders. It was a wonderful. It was wonderful having you, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on the show today. Well,
0: thank you. I really appreciate the invitation. It's been great talking to both of you and uh, to all you listeners. I really appreciate it.
2: Awesome. So thank you so absolutely. much, and I hope okay, we can talk you. soon. Uh, awesome. Absolutely. Thank you okay. so much. Have a great right. night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. And that was Sensei Jamie Zimron. Wow, that was that was a motivating talk to hear about. It was, you know, you, you know it's so Well, it's so funny that we we
3: have to get like last week. He's just not talking, but we have to actually draw some of our guests to talk about themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And she yeah. she did very well.
2: Yeah, very humble. I just loved it, absolutely loved it. And wow, I, I I hope some of the other martial artists that are acting childish and and you know schoolyard bullies and stuff like that, you know, take a take a minute and just kind of li- and listen to this show because you know martial art, martial arts is movement and movement is is who we are, you know. And and you know, I, I hope people can like, get past the childishness and kind of uh, see a little more into what uh, sensei jamie was talking about so next week listeners tune in because we are working on having grandmaster daryl Sargent joining us as well as master brandon jordan joining us uh grandmaster daryl Sargent is the host of modern combat masters and uh we'll have him on the show again Because they are both, uh, Tujon Brandon and Grandmaster Daryl, are nominees into the 2015 Masters Hall of Fame. We are starting our 2015 Martial Arts Hall of Fame series next week, hopefully. So uh, tune in next week at... Oh, it's our lunch show next week, isn't it? It's our Sunday brunch show. So we're going to actually be airing at 11 a.m., not 6 p.m. We're going to be airing 11 a.m. Pacific time. So tune in, and we'll uh, hopefully have Grandmaster Daryl Sargent and Tujon Brandon Jordan. So until then, keep training, everyone, and we'll see everyone next week. Bye-bye now.